0: So I'm going to talk about Florida's Strategic Highway Safety Plan. This has been my main charge among all the other 500,000 charges they gave me when I took this job, was to develop a Strategic Highway Safety Plan. Background. As you know, in 2005, Safety Lou said every state's got to have a Strategic Highway Safety Plan. You've got to have all these partners get together and develop it. DOT had a strategic highway safety plan, but it was just internal. It had been adopted in, in 2003, so we had a little bit of a start. But since we only had to agree with ourselves, it wasn't as hard to put together as when you have all of these partners trying to come together and do it. Um, DHSMV is our, our um, driver's licensing group. It's called Department of Highway Safety and Motor Vehicles. Um, FHP, Florida Highway Patrol, Department of Health, Department of Education, our motor carrier, um, you saw some of them at the opening ceremony the Metropolitan Planning Organization Advisory Council, FHWA, lots of partners. So we developed a 13-member executive committee, which is the heads of of many of those agencies, 20-member steering committee, and what we're supposed to do, we're supposed to put together a comprehensive plan to strategically address roadway safety issues to reduce deaths and serious injuries. (laughs) So we're like, well, what are we going to use? We're going to start out with the 22 areas that Ashto had identified several years ago, We held two statewide summits across the state, one here in Orlando, one in Miami. They came up with a recommendation of nine. The steering committee said we thought think six is enough and the executive committee said we think four is enough. Strategically, let's do it at four. So we ended up with four emphasis areas, aggressive driving, intersection crashes, vulnerable road users. Here we got three for the price of one. We included pedestrians, bicyclists, and motorcyclists, those who are out there on the roadways but don't have that extra ton of steel or however much it is that's around you in your in your automobiles, and lane departure crashes. And then we had three continuing priorities because we didn't want to tell the secretary we didn't have occupant protection and safety belts on there. So our three other areas were impaired driving, occupant protection, and traffic data. So we developed it. It was approved by FHWA, and it wasn't the plan, if all of you know, that had to be approved. It was the process to make sure you went through the process to be all-inclusive and had the right input from people. It's intended to be a living plan, not something you put on the shelf and just let it collect dust. So now we're in the implementation stage. It's going on two years now that it's been implemented. Well, we found along the way that everybody knows the four E's when it comes to traffic safety of enforcement, engineering, education, and emergency response but we've come to learn that it takes that fifth E, which is everyone else. I'd like to claim that I thought of this. I think it was Iowa that thought of us, but but we like it. So what we did is we had a, a goal for each of the emphasis areas, and we came up with some strategies. I'm not going to read them to you. You can read them. If you're not a fast reader, you can find them online. If you want to know just some of our strategies, there were more than this. Um, but they all tried to address enforcement, education, and engineering emergency response we put in a separate spot because it 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 kept being repetitive. Then here are the things that we've been doing. This is just a sample of the things that we've been doing to implement our strategic highway safety plan. And I know this because at the end I'm going to show you a tracking tool that we developed in-house to help find out what it is that everybody around the state is doing. We know lots of things, even subconsciously, are being done that implement our plan but either people don't know about it or haven't told us about it. So we developed a, a tool that allows everybody across the states on the Internet, to go in and say, if you're law enforcement, say we're Florida Highway Patrol, and we did an enforcement detail for aggressive driving in this four-on-four. Four. It's four days in four counties along Interstate 4, four-on-four-on-four. On four on four. Sometimes it helps to have a little hook. Um We buy unconventional uh, vehicles. We fund them through grant funds. My office is is the pass-through for NHTSA Highway Safety Funds. so we buy unconventional vehicles. We participate in the Law Enforcement Challenge, which is going on this Friday here in Orlando. I get to stay here all week, um, whereby the the top producers for our law enforcement agencies all get a key to a vehicle, and only one starts it. And so the one that, that actually works wins, and last year they won a fully equipped Ford Mustang, red. So they're usually pretty excited about it. Engineering, we do intersection improvements. There in Florida, we've got a big program to pass out white confirmation lights. Those are the lights that show from the other side. If somebody's run a red light, so they only need one law enforcement out there instead of two. Education, uh, we're out there um, training law enforcement. In Florida, aggressive driving, you can't get a ticket for aggressive driving. But what you do is you get a ticket for the for the things that you did that constitute aggressive driving. In Florida, you have to do two or more of a list of things that are in the statute: tailgating, flashing your lights at somebody, following too closely, changing lanes improperly, in, inappropriate hand gestures, a myriad of things. They're in there. So you'll get a ticket for. A, for those things, but they have a box on the citation that they that officers check, so that we can track. We can then go back and check and do a run and find out how many of the officers considered it aggressive driving. And of course, it's in the eye of the beholder. So what may be aggressive driving to one law enforcement officer might not be for another. Um, but it's still very high on people's lists. In our summits, that was the number one concern of, of Florida drivers was aggressive driving. And then of course, some of that turns into road rage, either. The person who's who feels they're being put upon or the aggressor themselves intersection crashes is another one of our emphasis areas again we have the three areas enforcement education engineering enforcement a lot of red light running details we have a lot of red light runners but we don't have a law that allows um, red light running cameras on our state highway system yet and without that statutory authority we are not doing it but some local uh, municipalities have been doing it Putting it on their own roadways on their own property, and then giving a like a, a code violation instead of a, a criminal offense because they don't have the authority to do it for a, a, a criminal offense. In the engineering, we use some some new um, high friction surface treatments on ramps that people seem to go too fast. They don't understand speed limits. They end up running off the road, and so we end up using something that's much more um, has higher friction count so that they don't do that. We um, have, it's not a, a plug for any product, but we use QuickCurb to uh, take care of some of the median opening problems. Education, we do a lot of education programs, intersection crashes. We have a program called Safe Crossings for Elderly Pedestrians out of the University of Miami um, in, in South Florida. Vulnerable road users, again, we go through them. Engineering, we have lots of sidewalk construction projects. The Hawk Project in Florida, FHWA gave South Florida a DOT or District 6 office permission to try that on a, on a pilot project. Um, I think it's on Flagler for some reason. I live down there and I can't ever keep Flagler and 8th Street apart, but I think it's on Flagler. It's for a mid-block crossing. It, it's actually a, a light and not a signal. And it's, it takes a lot of education because it's something that you're not used to. And so they did a lot of education of, of the public. There's a, there's some, some smaller condominiums, not very high um, income levels on one side, lots of little bodegas and restaurants on the other, so lots of going back and forth. Um, so they passed out flyers, because in the streets of Miami, you can buy umbrellas and water and newspapers every time you come to a traffic light because they're out there selling everything. So I suggested, why don't you have somebody hand out flyers about the new thing also? They won't know the difference. You know, they think they're getting another pizza flyer, but, you know, tell them that this one's important. It's not going to save them a dollar on a pizza, but it might save somebody's life. Vulnerable road users, motorcycle helmets, they're not mandatory in Florida any longer. The legislature, in their wisdom, um, re- repealed our, our, um, mandatory helmet law in 2000. And ever since, the trend is just totally upward because it just, um, Unless they have to wear them, a lot of people are just not going to even. Even when it's mandatory, they're just those stubborn ones out there. So um, our motorcycle deaths have been going up uh, dramatically every year. On the education side, the Florida passed a new law, but you have to leave three feet between the, a bicyclist who is riding on the on the edge. Either it's on the shoulder, or on the edge of the road between the bicyclist and the um, and your vehicle. So a lot of people have produced this bumper sticker to remind people. A lot of it is just people aren't aware of it. Excuse me. Lane departure crashes, um, David O'Hagan's going to come up a little bit later and talk about cable barrier, which is one of the things that, that we've been doing on, on um, lane departure crashes. On the enforcement side, we also have a, what we call the move-over law. I think a lot of states do. It says if you have a law enforcement or emergency vehicles on the side of the road with their flashing lights on, uh, that you are supposed to either slow down to 20 miles below the posted limit or, if possible, move over to the next lane uh, for the safety of the driver of the automobile that was stopped, for our law enforcement agencies, for our what we have as road rangers, for tow truck operators, um, it's a big safety um, issue. We also have an enhanced penalty zones. We've done this on a pilot on Interstate 95. Whereas, if you speed in those in one of those three zones, there are, there are three of them along I I 95, you're going to get an extra 50 bucks tacked onto your ticket, even though. In Florida, if you speed between one and five miles an hour by statute, you're only supposed to get a warning, not a ticket that's going to cost you some money, but you will still get your $50 tagged on, even though you didn't have to pay anything for your initial ticket. Um, We're starting to assess this now. It's a pilot project that if they don't reenact it, it's going to expire in in 2010. Engineering, we've uh, adopted, at DOT, have adopted a, a new policy about using audible and vibratory edge line and center line markings. Um, Again, we're talking about guardrail for the turnpike. This is the the numbers that have greatly reduced when you put um, something in the middle to stop cars from going over and running head-on. When it comes to audible and vibratory pavement markings, though, you have to keep the bicyclists um, in mind and sometimes the motorcyclists, too. So what we did when we were going to decide what we were going to put and where, we did several um, pilot spots of of the uh, what was available and took our bicycle pedestrian um, staff from our office, got their helmets, got their bicycles. They were thrilled. They rode up and down over them. And so we had their input about what caused uh, fewer problems for them, um, too rough, made them lose control of their bicycle. So they really felt that they were involved in the process. And so once something was chosen, they felt much better instead of thinking that everybody just ignored them. For the education component, teen drivers, we have a, have a big problem, Florida Sheriff's Association. Um, we have grant-funded a program that they're gonna go into high schools and try to work with teens because the, most schools don't have driver education in the schools anymore um, like like I did when when I was a teen, but that was back in the dark ages that they had cars, but we still had driver's ed. Um, three continuing priority areas, I told you it was gonna be occupant protection, impaired driving, and traffic data. This is an incident that happened here in Florida. Um, This was a DOT mower. He was strapped into that little flimsy blue seat mowing the median just like any other day, and a big red pickup truck that was coming down the road toward him just all of a sudden came into the median and hit him head on. There's a lot more pieces to this mower, and they are just scattered all over that roadway. When EMS arrived, the mower driver was still belted into his seat, and alive, and he spent about two weeks in the hospital. The pickup truck driver, huge ram or something, really big truck, had some front end damage, and then when he hit the moor, he went over and he hit the guardrail, but still not a whole lot of front end damage. He didn't have a safety belt on. His head went into the windshield, and a year later, he's still in a coma. Safety belts, you would have thought the guy in the big red pickup truck would have been the one that survived, and he probably would have if if his head hadn't been through the windshield. Our safety belt use in Florida. Florida is a secondary state. We cannot give you a ticket for driving only without your safety belt. We have to pull you over for something else. We, I feel, part of law enforcement. I talk to law enforcement all the time. Um, so, But this year was our all-time high. You'll see 2008, we have our results already, 81.7%. That That is Florida's all-time high, and I don't mind saying so. We've got a long way to go, but there are a lot of primary states that don't have 81.7% compliance. So I'm very, very pleased with this. Um, lots of grassroots efforts, lots of law enforcement to support us. We're already planning what to do next year to, to make it even better. Um, we have a child passenger seat program through our Florida Highway Patrol. They order and stockpile um, child passenger seats. So if you've got a law enforcement agency or you have a fire department or a police station that wants to give away child passenger seats, they can pick them up there and take them to their, their program and give people child passenger seats. We do high school battle of the belts competitions. That was a big success this year. Impaired driving, do a lot on, on impaired driving. We've made some success um, in over the years. Last year we had the, the biggest drop across the nation in, in impaired driving, the difference between the year before. Our preliminary numbers were almost finished with 2007 data. It shows that we're going to take another drop again. So we're making progress, but when you're still talking about 1,099 alcohol related fatalities, there are states that, that their whole fatality for their entire state is only three or four hundred. And we managed to kill 3,355 people every year on the, on Florida roadways. And I've had this discussion before. Reporters call me and they say, Oh, what about this most recent report about dangerous roads? Like, wait a minute. When did a road ever just jump up and bite you? The roads aren't dangerous. Look at you. Just leave them alone and they're perfectly calm and they just lie there waiting for something to happen. And what happens? We happen. We drive on them. And instead of just driving, we drive and drink. We drive and eat. We drive and sleep. We drive and text. We drive and talk on the cell phone. We drive and yell at our kids in the back seat. We pick up the CD off the floor. We don't just drive anymore. And, and they say about 80% of all of the fatalities nationwide, there's some component of distraction because we don't just get in our car and make it our goal to drive and drive safely and don't do anything else until we get to the destination. And along the way, we manage to, to murder because it's just as much murder as far as I'm concerned If you kill my grandchildren because you were driving distracted and ran into the car that they're in as if you went into their house and did a home invasion with a gun and shot them but we don't see it that way we sort of take highway safety and highway traffic deaths like a cost of mobility oh well you know lots of cars lots of people driving until it hits home then then i've got you on my side then i've got you willing to stand and and do presentations and try to convince other people that we can't be complacent. We really do have to do something about it. Our other area was traffic records. We had a traffic records assessment that said, you're doing pretty good, Florida, but you need to do a whole lot better. So we applied for um, specific grants that that the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration had available um, just to improve traffic records, and not just for DOT, for all agencies across the state. 2006, we got 1.8 million. 2007, we got 1.2. 2008, they say we've qualified, but they're not sure how much is going to be available just yet, but we're probably looking at 1.2 again. And it's helped us tremendously. It's it's helped us locate crashes on local roads. In Florida, we were only able to locate crashes on the state system. Aha, uh-huh. I, I need to close this up. Um, what else are we doing in, in Strategic Highway Safety Plan implementation? These are some of the things that that we do. You saw on the bottom one, uh, tracking tool. This is the site to our tracking tool. You just go on, and when you go there, this is what pops up. And the pink and the green, the green boxes are our emphasis areas. The pink ones are our continuing priority areas. You just check which one it applies to, so then I can do a search and say, how many things did anybody do in the state on aggressive driving? And that's all I get. Then I get the whole list, which is where I got all the information from the last um all of the slides you just saw. In addition, we've created these things called we call them push cards. And it's just it's just like little sound bites on all of our emphasis area. There's are some I put on the chairs back by where the water is. For each of our emphasis areas that went DOT personnel have been told well, you've always got to give a safety message when you go and talk to somebody. So this just gives them little sound bites to talk about a safety message. This is a, a brochure that I put out when I we first developed our strategic highway safety plan. Except that you see this one has two yellow stripes down the middle. Well, the first one only had one. And I was so proud of this. I thought this was great. Until the day after I had a thousand of them printed, the chief engineer, sitting in the back, comes to me and says, "We don't use one yellow stripe down the middle in Florida." Oh, thanks. So I had to go Photoshop them and start all over again. So now they have two, have two stripes. One last plug. This is the new transponder for electronic tolling in Florida. It's called our Sun Pass. Usually it was a transponder and it sits up and you have to hold it on with Velcro and they always, sometimes they fall down in the heat. That's this size, but you see what they did with somebody, an employee's idea. It says buckle up Florida on the top. You always see it because it's attached to your windshield. So there's always a message in front of you to remind everybody to always buckle up. And this is the kind of initiative Doesn't seem like much. Three little words always in front of you to remind you to buckle up, Florida.